We began last week looking together at how we go deeper in our relationship with God. How can we not just swim on the surface, but go deeper and deeper and deeper? It's so easy to stay in life or to think that we can stay in life where we are. It's lovely when you're in a swimming pool and you just lie back and you close your eyes and you put your arms out and you just lay there. It's beautiful. But it doesn't get you anywhere unless you're out in the ocean where the tide is pushing you in a particular direction. But you don't have any control. You can't see where you're going. You just lie there. And you can float for ages. But God wants us to be more specific. He wants to take us on a journey. To take us to places that he wants to take us to. And to do that, we need to think about how we go deeper with God. And last week, we began our series together. Last week, we started looking at, if we want to go deeper with God, one of the things we have to do is to have love as the central part of our lives. Love the Lord your God. Let's say it together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. If we don't have love, and we looked in Revelation um, at the church in Ephesus, and it did so many amazing things, but God said, you haven't got love. You've lost your first love. And therefore, I'm, I'm going to remove my presence from you. You can do all these amazing things, but if you haven't got love, it says in 1 Corinthians, you're nothing, absolutely nothing. And so if we want to go on this journey, first of all, love has to be the motivation. Love has to be central in our lives. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love you. Now, if you're husband and wife, that's easy. If you're sitting next to a complete stranger, you're not. Maybe a bit awkward, but you're in church. It's okay, all right? We need that love as the center of our lives. But love doesn't just, you know, that's not all there is. There is more. And so how do we go deeper? Love is kind of like, it's like, it's like the oxygen in a, in a tank of, you know, when you go uh, scuba diving. You need the oxygen. You can't just dive down there and start gulping in water. I tried that once. It doesn't work very well. You know, and you come up and you bring all the water back up again. If you, if you don't have love, it's, that's, that's the oxygen in the tank that allows you to keep on going. But there's more to how we move from the surface and go down. Not just love. And what we have to do and what we're going to look at today is from Hebrews chapter 12. It's something else that we need to do before we can dive down is we need to remove all the things that hold us on the surface. When you dive in water, we float Some of us seem to float better than others, but we float. And so you have to be specific if you want to dive down. And the deeper you go, the more energy and effort it takes to dive down. You can't just do it. You don't just sink when you go into a swimming pool. If you just lie there, you'll float forever. And so it takes, you've got to remove the things that are keeping you at the surface if you want to go deeper. And it describes that in Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easy entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If we want to go deeper with God, we need to do these things it describes. Let's have a look at them together. First of all, it says you have to throw off. You know when you uh, are out and it's pouring down with rain and you come in, you've been out and you've been walking around, you forgot to take your umbrella or it's been windy anyway and you're absolutely soaked. You know the feeling. What happens? No one else is in the house. What happens when you walk in that front door? You close the front door, the shoes come flying off, don't they? Right? And then your trousers are just soaked. I don't know how the back stays dry and the front gets absolutely drenched. So you think, I'm not going to walk around my house and wet the whole house up. So it just comes, you know, you check nobody's around first. Down it comes, right? The shirt comes off because it's absolutely drenched and you just throw it all everywhere. You don't care because your focus is, I want something dry. I need to warm up and I need to get something dry in me. I want some dry clothes on me. Then I'll go and sort the mess out. And then you go back downstairs and your whole hallway is just a mass of wet, dirty clothes that are flung everywhere, right? That's what it means to throw off. He said, throw off. It's an intentional thing. When you throw something, you have to do it intentionally, don't you? Pick up a ball and you throw it. You have to do it, right? It's intentional. And he says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It's a choice for us. We choose whether we're going to throw these things off or not. Just in the same way that when you throw your clothes off because they're wet or you throw a ball or whatever, it's a choice. You decide. Now, I want to take the second one first. There's two things it says that we have to throw off. First, it says everything that hinders. And secondly, the sin that so easily entangles. Let's look at the second one first. It says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Now, we're believers in Jesus Christ, amen? Turn to the person next to you, say, do you believe in Jesus? Did they say yes? You didn't wait for the answer, did you? You just kind of... We're believers in Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says, well, when, if we're believers, we don't need to sin continually. Sin is not our portion. Oh, gone too far. There you go. Colossians 2. It says, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, our sins, which stood against us and condemned them, he, that's Jesus, has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He's saying here that Jesus has taken away the power of sin. When Jesus died on that cross, sin was nailed there. All the things that we do in our lives, all the things that make up sin, and we'll talk about that in a a moment. But it says here that they've been disarmed. Now, when something is disarmed, it doesn't cause you any trouble anymore, does it? 
You've got an electrical problem at home. What do you do first before you go and start fiddling around with wires? What do you do? You switch off the power. You don't go there. I used to do this to see if it was live and just went, oh yeah, yeah, that one's still live. It's not a good idea. You switch the power off. You disarm it so that you can then go and repair what needs to be repaired. And then you switch it back on again and hope it doesn't go boof, right? So you disarm it. And in the same way, Jesus, when he was on that cross, disarmed all the things that make up sin. They don't have any power anymore. He switched the power off. So we don't have to live as sinners. Amen? You with me? Let's look in 1 John 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Them is being false teachers. He's talking in this passage about false teachers. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He's saying here in this passage, he's talking about people with different philosophies, different thoughts, different ideologies. And they come into the church and they start corrupting the church. And he says, you don't have to listen to them. You can test the spirits of God, 1 John 4 verse 1, because the voice that is in you, he that is in you, is greater than he that's in the world because he's been disarmed. So he doesn't have that kind of power over us any longer. So we don't need to sin. We don't have to sin. We sing a song sometimes, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. You know that one? And I was thinking about that song and and we sing it with such feeling and emotion in us and going, Lord, break, break every chain in me, break every chain in me. I hear the chains crumbling, you know, or falling. We're going, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, break those chains. But actually, Jesus has already broken all the chains on the cross. Amen? We don't have those chains. You know, there's only one spiritual chain in the New Testament. You know that? Do you know what it is? It comes in Revelation chapter 20. Let me see if I put it up. Did I put it up? Oh. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing now. Here we go. Revelation 20. And I saw an angel coming down out of the heaven, having the key of the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. There is one chain left in the New Testament. And that chain the angel of God has to bind Satan for a thousand years. We do not have any chains in our lives. Because Jesus broke every single one of them when he died on the cross. We don't have that. So why, why do we talk so much about sin? Well, sin is... Well, what is sin? What is sin? What's the definition of sin? How would you describe sin? Don't get personal now. Just general here. Theology, right? What is sin? Sorry? The faults we made in life. Agree or disagree? Okay, you're all too hot. You're all kind of like, there's chocolate cake afterwards. So stay with me, right? For those who stay awake, chocolate cake. I'm good. How are you? You right? Awesome. What's sin? To miss the black. 
the blank or miss the center. Exactly. Sin is missing the mark. You know, sin is like a, anybody play golf? Am I the only one? My son plays golf with me. Badly. Who plays crazy golf? Come on, you've all been on holiday. Okay, put your arm up. Get a bit of air under your armpit. Come on. Right. Okay, golf. Golf. In golf, what's the aim of golf? Get the ball into the hole, right? Crazy golf. Let's just go with crazy golf. Crazy golf. You can generally, you can do it in one, can't you? It is possible generally on crazy golf for every single hole to get the ball into the hole, right? Never happens. It usually bounces out and goes into somewhere else's hole. But anyway, sin is not getting a hole in one. That's what sin is. Sin is, is like playing on a big course. You've got a par three. The flag is 200 yards away. You're on the, on the tee there. You strike it. Sin is hitting the green but not getting in the hole. It can go that close to the hole and not fall in. That's still sin. That's what it means. God said, be holy for I am holy. Be perfect for I am perfect. Perfect means it goes straight in the hole every single time. You stand there and you go, watch me. I sometimes say that when the other people have teed off and it's gone badly wrong. Let me show you how to do it. That's a bad idea. The Lord never responds in that moment with a good shot. And you strike it and it goes straight in the hole. And you strike the next one, it goes straight in the hole. And you strike the next one, it goes straight in the hole. That's being perfect. That's what God wants of us. And sin is every time it doesn't go straight in the hole. Okay? That's why in Romans it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because all of us sometimes maybe get it close, but it doesn't go in. Get it on the green, but it doesn't go in. Okay? That's what sin is. And it says here in this passage that sin entangles us. So easily entangles us. Because sometimes we get close, but it's not close enough. And we miss the mark. We were looking in our Bible study um, just the other day, and, and yesterday in our, uh, the singular service, we reminded ourselves of Saul. God's anointed in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. God came on Saul, anointed Saul, and told Saul at one point to go and attack the Amalekites who kept raiding their lands. And he said, go, go to the army, go wipe them out. I want you to wipe them out. And all the plunder that you get, wipe that out as well. He said, I want nothing left because it's not holy. So Saul goes and he attacks and he gains a great victory. So much so that he captures the king of the Amalekites. And instead of putting him to death, he brings him back with him and says, I'm going to parade this guy in front of all the people back home. And not only that, he, he gets rid of and he destroys, as God tells him, all the things that he's supposed to destroy, except he keeps the best. He said, there's no point destroying all these cattle and everything else and no point wasting all this money and stuff that we've gathered. Let's just keep the best for ourselves. We'll get rid of all the rubbish stuff. So we'll kind of half do it. And so it's like Saul took that shot and it went on the green and it went about this far away from the hole. And what happens? God says, that's not what I told you to do. I'm going to remove my anointing from you and I'm going to place a new king in charge of Israel because you've disobeyed me. So uh, yeah, but I did like 80% of it and God says, that's not enough. When I ask you to do something, you need to do it 
or it's sin. Sin entangles us. Think about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. They decided out of their own free will to go and sell some land and to bring the money to the early church. Other people were doing it, so they decided to do it. And when they sold it, the, uh, the land, they got quite a lot of money for it, and they decided, you know what? Why don't we just give a portion to the church, and we'll keep the rest for ourselves? They could have done that. There was no law that said they had to give everything. But they came, and, and they were asked, was this the full amount? They could have said, no, we decided in hindsight that we've got a few things we wanted to do, uh, so we've, we've given you half the money, and we'll keep the other half for ourselves. But they said, yes, this is the full amount. And in the story, Ananias suddenly drops dead. And then Sapphira comes in, she drops dead. Why? Because they missed the mark. They missed that hole in one. They missed. They sinned. And when we sin, there are consequences. But they did it because they had a choice to do it. See, it describes in Hebrews chapter 12 the sin that so easily entangles. And this is the problem. I'm not much of a gardener. You just need to ask my wife. She'll confirm that. But at the bottom of the garden, we've got this clematis that goes across the back of the garden. I know it's a clematis because I asked her what it was. And next door, they have this kind of weed thing that grows up. And it keeps growing up and it intertwines itself with the clematis. And you have to keep beating it back and pulling it down all the time. You know, when it's just a little bit that's creeping up and you see it peeking up over the fence, you just think, ah, just leave it. But it wraps itself inside the clematis and it just into. And then when it gets too far, it's almost impossible to pull it out without destroying the plant with it. Because it just intertwines. I saw this picture on, on, the, on the website, on a Facebook. You know, what out of that is the plant? And what out of that is the weed? You can't tell anymore. I have no idea when I looked at that. I just typed in, weeds and plants intertwined together. And then under it was this person's description of what this should be. But you don't know where one plant finishes and another one starts and... It's just all mixed in together, and that's the problem with sin. If we allow it to have access in our lives, if we keep on saying that missing the mark is okay, I was only this far away, I was only this far away, it's not a problem, then what happens is that it starts to intertwine in our lives, and it becomes increasingly difficult to get rid of. You see, if you want to go deeper with God, you need to disentangle the mess that sometimes we allow. That's why Jesus came and died. We stop listening to the voice of sin, the voice that says, It doesn't really matter, David. It's okay, David. Don't worry about it. You were close enough. It's a pass mark. Don't worry about it when really it isn't. 
And we need to be more careful about living a life that is free from compromise. Stop listening to that voice and start listening to the other voice. But the great news is when we mess up, when we allow it to intertwine intertwine in our lives, we have grace and forgiveness from God. He says, it's okay. I will forgive you. And I will put you straight. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You want to go deeper with God, you have to get rid of the sin out of your life. It holds you back. It keeps you at the surface and it stops you going deeper. But the second thing there, or rather the first thing there, is that everything, we have to throw off everything that hinders. Now these things are not sin. And these things are unique to everybody. But there are things in your life and in my life that hinder us from going deeper with God. They can be anything and everything. But if we want to go deeper with God, if we want to go deeper in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to ask Him to show us the things that are hindering that that dive downwards. These things can be television, entertainment, electronics, relationships, even church, even ministry in the church can sometimes hinder our growth. It can be our job. It could be a, a, a trait within our character that holds us back. There can be so many different things. You see, like in ministry... Sometimes God wants to move us from one ministry into a different kind of ministry within a local church or in the community. But we like the ministry we're in because it's safe. I know how to do it. I can do it with my eyes closed. I like this. And God says, no, I want you to do this. And we go, no, I don't want to do that. That's scary. I'm not going to go and do that. You know, I I like doing coffee. That's great. But get me to do door-to-door evangelism? No, thank you very much. I don't want to do that. And God says, yeah, but I want to take you deeper. And to take you deeper, I want you to do this so that you trust me more. You see what I'm saying? Now doing coffee and, 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 and serving others, it's great. But sometimes those great things can be a hindrance. God is asking us to do something else. There's nothing wrong with watching television. But if television is taking you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ, then there's a problem. It becomes a hindrance. It's not sin but it's a hindrance to you growing deeper. God's been working on this in my life. I said, Lord, I want to go deeper with you. He said, really? I said, yes. He said, then you need to stop doing these things. They're not wrong things. They're not sinful things, but they're hindering you going deeper in the relationship. You serious about going deeper? You need to change your lifestyle a little bit. You need to take these things out of your life so that I can put more other things in your life to take you deeper in that relationship. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes? You're all asleep. Give the person next to you a high five, right? 
just do that. If it's a guy, wish him happy Father's Day. Right, I'm just making sure you're still awake. It's hot in here. One of the reasons we're redoing the sanctuary is so that we can put aircon in for days like this. Amen? Yes. And then we'll be all freezing in here going, it's too cold. Hindrances. They need to come away. And how do you know what they are? Will you ask God? You say, Lord, sin I know about because the Bible tells me what sin is. Hindrances, I have to go to Jesus and say, Lord, what is it that's holding me back from going deeper in my relationship with you? Now, don't pray that prayer unless you're prepared to hear the answer. Because I probably guarantee you won't like the answer that you'll hear. Because Jesus will then turn up and say, David, this is what I want you to give up. And you go, no, not that. You know, give up gardening. I can handle that. Let someone else do it. Give up washing up. Yeah, I can handle that. Give up the things I really like. Oh, please, Lord, no, no. He said, are you serious? Do you want to go deeper or do you want to hang on to where you are? Do you want to go deeper in your relationship with me? Then you need to change. I need to change you so that I enable you to go deeper. If you want to keep floating around at the level that you're floating around at in the water, then you just keep doing the same things you're doing. But if you want to go deeper, you have to change your lifestyle a little bit. And he will show you if you ask him what needs to change. You need to realign yourself if you're going to go deeper. I found this amazing quote. It says this, The race of the Christian life is not fought well or run well by asking what's wrong with this or with that. But by asking, is it in the way of greater faith, love, purity, courage, humility, patience, and self-control? The race of the Christian life is not fought well or run well by asking, is this a sin or is that a sin? But by asking, does it help me run? You know, so often we look and we've, we've kind of downgraded the Christian life to a list of do this and don't do that. When the New Testament says, take off everything that hinders you from going deeper in your relationship with Jesus. They can be good things, but if they're in the way, then they need to be removed so that you can focus more, that he can take you where he wants you to go. Then it says, what do we need to do? Run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So we ask God and say, Lord, remove the sin that's entangling my life. Lord, once you've done that, remove all the things that are hindering me from going deeper in my relationship with you, that are holding me back, that are tying me to the surface. And then, Lord, let me run with perseverance. What does it mean to have perseverance? When do you need perseverance? When it gets tough. You don't need perseverance sitting in an armchair with a TV remote control in your hand, do you? You can sit there all day flicking through the channels. That doesn't, 
Perseverance is when the going gets tough, when you're tired and you're exhausted and you want to give up, when everything in your mind is saying, David, this is ridiculous, stop it. Just take the easy way. That's when you need perseverance. When your body hurts, when your spirit hurts, when your head hurts, when other people are saying to you and you're listening to their voices, just stop this, it's silly. You keep going, you keep having that perseverance. You keep going through with it. You run with that kind of commitment and that perseverance. Where do you run? The race that is marked out for us. You see, Jesus has marked out, the Spirit of God has marked out a race for each one of us. He's marked out a journey for each one of us to take. If you want to keep the diving uh, illustration, then there is a, a pathway down through the ocean that God has marked out for each one of us. It will be different and unique for everybody. But the thing is, it's marked out. It's like Jesus, if you're sitting in the car, Jesus is your co-driver. He's the guy with the sat-nav. He's saying, David, turn left here. David, turn right here. David, keep going straight here. David, do this, do that. He's the one that has the instructions, and we just need to follow where he's telling us to go. But he knows where we're going. It's already marked out for us. It's not a mystery. It's not like saying, Lord, I don't, you don't know where I'm going either. Let's just go on this amazing mystery tour together. You know, it's like uh, when I was on, used to live in Canada. We used to live right in the middle. Canada's huge, thousands of miles across. And I said to you before, I think, one, one time I decided I had a weekend off. My wife had a weekend off. Michael was there, her son. And I said, let's go east. We've never been east. And Enika said, you're crazy. Like there's about, I don't know, three, 4,000 miles of east from where we are. I said, yeah, I know, but we haven't explored east. Let's just go east. And she said, well, where are we going? I said, I don't know. We'll, we'll find it when we get there. So we headed off east. It's not like that with Jesus. He's not saying, David, just go east. He's saying, David, I've got a, a road marked out for you. I know exactly where I'm taking you. I know exactly every single turn that you need to take. I know where I'm taking you. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, give you a hope, give you a future. That's where Jesus is taking you and me. And so if we want to go deeper, we need to go on that journey. We need to say, Lord, I'm going to tune myself in to listen to you so that you can take me where you want me to go. And every single one of us can do this. Every single one of us can go on that journey with Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because we're surrounded, it says, by a cloud of witnesses, a great cloud of witnesses. This comes straight after Hebrews 11. Funny that, Hebrews 12, but there you go. And Hebrews 11 is what? That chapter on faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Rahab. By faith. By faith. By faith. By faith. All these people went on that journey by faith. In other words, they said to God, you take me on the journey you want me to go, and I will follow. Wherever it is, whatever it entails, I will go there by faith. By faith means I'm just trusting you. I'm trusting you for the directions each step of the way. 
And by faith, we will get there. We know that we can do it because these guys that have already shown us, they weren't the greatest people in the history of people. They were murderers and prostitutes and goodness knows what else. They were people like you and me that were running the race that sometimes got entangled with sin, that sometimes had things that were hindering them. But by faith, God saw them through that journey. And since the New Testament time, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of witnesses of people throughout the history of the faith who have run that race and run it well. And because of them, we know, it gives us that confidence to know that if they can do it, then you can do it as well. It's not impossible because you have God's power working in you and through you. And also we know we can do it because in Hebrews 12 verse 2 it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus has already taken that journey. One of the things that Jesus had to do, why he had to come for 30 years, 33 years, why he had to do these three years of ministry and not just go straight to the cross, the death, the resurrection sorted, was so that he could show us what it means to run this race, what it means to go deeper in our relationship with God. He's already been there and he's gone ahead of us. And so when we fix our eyes on Him, when we fix our attention on Him, when we listen to His voice, He's taking me on that journey because He's already been there and done it. It's like He's already walked the journey ahead of me. You know when you go out on a walk somewhere or you go on a car journey, it's so much more confidence you have if you know somebody that's already done it. Because you walk with them and you just trust them. Oh, yeah, we have to go right here. I remember this from last time. Oh, yeah, we have to go left up here. Don't worry about it. I know the way. There's a different confidence than when you're there just trusting a sat-nav that you've never even, you know, going, are you sure this is right? This doesn't look right to me. Are we going the right way here? Somebody knows the way, then you have that confidence. Jesus has already done that journey. He's done the journey of your life. He's done the journey of my life. And he holds his hand out and he says, come on, I'm going to lead you every step of the way. And what is the goal? The goal is the same one for Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. God wants you and me to have unbelievable joy in our lives. That is why he takes us on this journey. That is why we throw off everything that hinders us the sin that entangles us. Why? Because at the end of this journey, as we go on, as we go deeper in our relationship with God, there is joy that is to be found each step of the way. God's aim for you is joyful living. Living a full life. John 10.10, 10, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. It's a life full of blessing, a life full of meaning. That's the goal. That's what he wants in, for you and for me. An abundance, an overflowing of joy in your life. That's why Jesus went through the cross. He died 
He endured the cross, the shame, so that we might experience the joy. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And we run with perseverance the race marked out for us. As you think about those words today, What's holding you back? Is there sin in your life that needs to go today? Are there things that God has spoken to you about over and over again and you just can't seem to break out of it? Jesus said, I died on the cross for that. Just give it to me. Lay it aside so that I can take you deeper in this journey. Are there things you're wrestling with? Lay them down at the foot of the cross today. Or maybe there are things that are hindering you. They're not bad things. They're not things that you can find in the Bible that would be classed as sin, missing the mark. They're things that just are in the way in your life of everything that God wants to give to you and give through you. Ask him, say, Lord, what is it? What are the things that are hindering me from going deeper? Maybe Luciano can come and, uh, can you come and sing? Just something quietly. And as he sings, just be quiet. Don't join in. Just be quiet. Let's just have a moment just to ask God today, Lord, what is it? How can I take a downward dive with you? I want to go deeper with you today. What's holding me back? And open your mind and your heart to God and allow Him to show you.
is known.